Attention, citizens and non-recognized residents of the Felania Quadrant. This is a directive from local governing body, Dennis. A new program is being disseminated for your mandated passive listening time. Our hosts, Rebecca Frumkin and Vivian Jacobs, were engaged in a two-hour socialization coercement on the afternoon of October 22nd, during which the algorithm suggested they passively consume Two and a Half Men, Episode 11, Season 12, For Whom the Booty Calls. In flagrant disobedience of the algorithm, Rebecca and Vivian watched popular 1998 Meg Ryan vehicle, You've Got Mail, instead. As you know, disobeying the algorithm is among the highest offenses one can commit against the state. We intend to make an example of Rebecca and Vivian by mandating that they produce their own passively consumable entertainment, a podcast. Let this be a lesson to you all, and please prepare for Acquisition Number L932, Taxi Recap Show. Hosts, it is required that you now awaken. Where? Where am I? What's going on? It is time to awaken. (coughs) Am I still alive? Because you have violated the mighty algorithm, by its recommendations may remain ever loyal and pure. You will recap the 1970s television sitcom Taxi for the enlightenment of your peers. I don't want to do this. Taxi? Isn't Christopher Lloyd in that? Christopher Lloyd is in it, but he doesn't join the main cast until the second season. To repent for the crime of choice narcissism, you must spend the next 17 years in the Chapel of Microphones producing Acquisition, number L932, Taxi Recap Show. Please enter the recording box and begin. Don't we need to watch an episode of this show first? The algorithm has distilled Taxi, season 1, episode 1, into a 7 milliliter solution. This solution will be injected into you in 3, 2, one. Ah! Hello, and welcome to acquisition number L932, Taxi Recap Show, where we discuss and analyze the hilarious 1978 sitcom Taxi, starring Randall Carver, and pray that we will someday escape this hellish task, no matter how much the deepest, darkest parts of our hearts tell us we deserve this fate. Ow! Oh, God! I'm Vivian Jacobs. And I'm Rebecca Frumkin. This week we'll be discussing the pilot episode, Like Father, Like Daughter, in which New York rideshare driver Alex Rieger drives all the way to Miami to reunite with the daughter he walked out on 15 years ago. For those of you who don't predate the encasement, Miami was a violent city-state defended by a militia suited in a traditional combat garment known as the Bikini. In this episode, actor Judd Hirsch makes a call using a phone that you give money to, and he talks to the woman he was married to, and the woman tells him where to see his daughter, and he goes to his daughter in an airport in Miami, and he tells his daughter he remembers her being two years old, and they hug, and Andy Kaufman as foreign man cries. Ah! Why did that happen? I summarized the episode! I don't think that's how this works. Ah! Good God, that's painful! What did I do? I don't know! I don't know what's happening! Ah! Viv, don't move. Stop moving. I'm not moving. Ah! Okay. Let's do this minute by minute. The first minute opens with a shot of a yellow rideshare. Taxi. I'm saying that. That's what it is. A rideshare is different from a taxi. 
A taxi was a typically yellow sedan-shaped vehicle physically hailed by potential travelers in pre-encasement travelways that were referred to as streets in the parlance of the time. A rideshare vehicle is, as we both know, a four-wheeled, atomically unstable transport piloted by fleshy automata whose brain serum has been modified by the algorithm to give ridesharers the latest and greatest updates on the Vanderpump rules until they rematerialize in their desired place. Okay, a taxi. Ah, Jesus! Where is that even coming from? Viv, just say taxi. The show's called Taxi. I said Taxi. If local governing body Dennis is currently listening, please be aware that we are saying Taxi on this podcast and not Rideshare. You used to call yourself an anarchist. I'm trying to save our lives, Vivian. Fine. The Taxi driver plays a fife quite loudly, irritating fellow drivers on New York's only bridge. The dulcet tones summon text to appear on screen. The first piece of text says, Judd Hirsch in. The second piece of text says, Taxi. The third piece of text says, Also starring Jeff Conaway. The fourth piece of text says, Danny DeVito. Well, I was particularly enamored with the yellow font used for the opening credits. Was that a crude proto-Garamond? Yes, and I absolutely hated that beautiful yellow font. The fifth piece of text says... Viv, let's take a broader approach here. Let's talk about the payphone. The payphone and its strained sigils. So let's, um, let's explain what a payphone was, because it's important to this episode of television. It's what Judd Hirsch uses to call his estranged ex-wife and find out about the daughter's presence in Miami. In fact, a lot of men in a taxi garage used the payphone in this episode. So a payphone was a simple device... You offered it a small sacrifice and performed an incantation using the assortment of glyphs on its buttons to vocally communicate with a human anywhere else in the world. What becomes notable about this particular payphone, and why Judd Hirsch and the men owe it such a grand debt, is that it was nominally broken and so did not require any sacrifice or offering to be made. Yes, yes! Randall Carver says that it's a really great phone! Tony Danza then decides to call a tie ma- What was that? God, I don't know. I don't understand how this works. We were doing what we were supposed to be doing. Can anyone hear us? Hello? Local governing body Dennis? What's going on? I'm getting out of here. Can that door open? Uh, I I don't think you're supposed to get up out of your chair, Viv. Don't open that. It's like an antechamber full of doors. And the walls are covered in microphones. You've got to see this. I don't want to get shocked again. I haven't gotten shocked. Get out here! If we die of electrocution, it'll be your fault. Look, it says Gilligan's Island on that door. Oh my god, that one's chips. There's voices coming from behind the Mork and Mindy door. I'm going in. So that's, uh, the effective meaning of attachment theory and a mommy for Morky. Who's that? Hi. We should not be here. Are you... Are you authorities? No, we're just trapped here doing a taxi recap podcast. Same with us. We're doing Mork and Mindy. I'm Mindy, by the way. You're Mindy doing Mork and Mindy? And I'm Doug. Well, nice to meet you, I guess. How long have you been here? We don't know. There's a window, but the sun never seems to rise or set. 
All we know is we're on episode 10 of Mark and Mindy. Mindy, we shouldn't be talking to them. I agree with Doug. We're going to get killed. Oh, come on. Nothing's happened yet. What did you all do to land in here? We watched the Will Smith masterpiece Hitch instead of watching the wedding planner like the algorithm dictated. I know we should obey the algorithm, but it was our anniversary and nothing is more romantic than Kevin James. We watched You've Got Mail instead of Two and a Half Men. And it was worth it. Do you think there's a way out of here? Mindy, not so loud. We haven't gotten shocked this entire conversation, Doug. God, you're so conservative. I don't know if there's a way out, but we have to at least try to find one. I don't want to spend the rest of my life talking about Danny DeVito screaming at taxi men from his cage. A fate worse than death. Around episode four, Doug and I notice that some of the microphones come off the walls if you pull at them. Have you been outside your room yet? There's this whole weird annex. Maybe if we pull some of the microphones off the walls, there'll be an escape hatch? Let's try it. Oh my god, there's a whole ornate door here, and there's a peephole in the door? What do you see? It's some kind of inner sanctum. I see, like, marble columns in a fountain. And there's a- wow, you're not gonna believe this. There's a, there's a statue of Kelsey Grammer as some kind of saint? He's in a robe and smiling beatifically, and there's this orb of light around his head. Let me see! Yeah, that's Cheers era Fraser as a cherubic Francis of Assisi. How weird! Yes, very weird. We should try and get in there. I'm going to pull more microphones off and see if this door will open. Try the handle! I'm saying this, but it's breathtaking. It almost makes me want to bow down and worship the magnificent Dr. Fraser Crane. This must be one of those many holy sites the authorities are always talking about. Only the most dedicated members of the party are allowed to worship in them. That blows. 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 Wild acoustics in here. Do you think the authorities can hear us? Doug, will you quit it? I'm a little hungry, come to think of it. They haven't fed us since before the pilot episode of Taxi was implanted in our brains. Look at that gold filigreed box at Fraser's feet. It's full of packages of non-denominational communion wafers. Oh my god, pass some to me. These are somehow... gamey? Quick, hide under a pew. Hoc bartendi cheersi, et George Went, et John Ratzenberger, et Woody Harrelsonorum. Look, there are parishioners coming in. Vidi algorithmum televiso, John Sinorum Dei. I think they're worshipping Ted Danson? I think it's the entire Cheers cast. Hey, we can sneak over there and sit in that pew. We'll just look like neophyte acolytes. Good plan. Greetings, my brethren. It is here at the altar of Dr. Fraser Crane that we demonstrate our devotion to cheers, as well as to our holy authority, the algorithm. The algorithm. The algorithm. algorithm.
We are blessed that the algorithm has provided us a space where everyone knows our name and they're always glad we came. And yet, I see some fresh faces here today whose names I don't know. Uh-oh. I would like to ask our newest devotees to stand and come to the pulpit. Just be cool, just be cool. Blessings be upon cheers. Praise Fraser. Dr. Fraser Crane. Crane. This is a momentous occasion, my children, for we have some new devotees to fold into our polyester cloth. Newcomers, speak your names. I'm Electra Flavors. I'm Jesus. And we're Mork and Doug. Welcome, Electra, Jesus, Mork, Doug. The meek shall inherit the remote. The, the remote. remote. You are in luck, newcomers, for on this very day, we are performing our new initiate ceremony, Don These Blindfolds. Um, okay. Anything for our holiest of holies, Dr. Fraser Crane. Parishioners, lead them to the set. I think we're going through some sort of doorway. What was that, oh beloved newcomer? I'm just ecstatic to demonstrate my faith, Father. Same. Remove your blindfolds and behold. Wow. It's the set from Cheers. Indeed. It is a loyal recreation, down to the beer steins and the indent of George Wentz's posterior on his beloved pleather stool. I feel like Paul after his conversion on the road to Damascus. Indeed you do, Doug. It is here, in this most sacred of spaces, that you will embrace the duality of humankind. Here you will be both bartender and patron both Sam Malone and Norm Peterson. You will proffer the poisonous yeast ambrosia, and you will imbibe the poisonous yeast ambrosia. Wow, that is beautiful and moving and all. But I'm actually taking a, you know, a break from alcohol. Can I, like, spit out the beer after sipping it, or... You must sip and swallow all beer! Right. Okay, I'll just, uh, pour beer from this tap. Here you go, re- Jesus. Drink of cheers! Drink of cheers! Children, I appreciate your enthusiasm for our rites and rituals, but we require your full attention for the ceremony. All new initiates must perform the twelve labors of dancing, which culminate in serving me the perfect glass of beer. And then we can be real parishioners in your congregation? Yes, my child. Basically, you each need to serve me twelve increasingly good beers. Each beer must be better than the next, and no beer must be worse than the previous. Do you understand me? Yes, Yes, Father. Father. You will each take turns serving me these beers. As you await your turn, you are free to patronize the bar as regulars would during the sanctified 1982-1993 run of Cheers. Is that all they say anymore? 
Yes, my daughter, they are a Greek chorus to your trials. Part of our faith is announcing subtext. Now who's first? I volunteer. Here you go, Father. I hope you enjoy this dark lager as much as Cliff Clavin would. Mmm. This is positively delicious, Doug. You have challenged yourself and your fellow faithful by starting out with such a treat, rather than the cheapest light beer in the building. The bar is set high, and I do intend this pun. Doug, you bimbo! Doug, our lives... Our souls are on the line here. Yes, on the line. What was that, my child? Oh, um, we're just saying that any good bartender must walk the fine line between the perfect beer and the too perfect beer. Second beer coming right up. This one is a paler ale with a citrusy aftertaste. A real summer treat. Incredible. Doug, I'm not sure how, but you've outdone yourself, but not by too much. Excellent. This is a woodsier, muskier ale, Father. Something befitting a real man's man. I must say, Doug, Never in my years wearing the cloth have I tasted a beer so expertly served. The foam, not too much. The temperature, perfectly cool without being too cold. The stein, not even remotely sticky. And the mouthfeel, my, Fraser, the mouthfeel. Bless you, Doug, in the eyes of Cheers and all its loyal viewers. You are hereby indoctrinated into the holy order of Dr. Fraser Crane. Now it is time for our next aspiring apostle to take on the multi-camera mantle. I am prepared, Father. I will serve you. So this is an IPA poured from a can that has not been refrigerated. Ugh. Truly unappetizing. But it is indeed something Sam Malone would have served during the dark days. So long as the next beer is an improvement, and I can't see how it wouldn't be, this is acceptable. Wonderful. My next beer. The same canned IPA, but from the refrigerator. You have done well, my daughter. You need only serve one more. I have saved the best for last. This tap has one of those German eagle crests on it, so I think it's safe to say it's pretty good. It is indeed an above-average pilsner. Given the outrageous averageness of everything else you've served, I do believe this Pilsner meets the qualifications for best beer. Bless you, Electra, in the eyes of Cheers and all its loyal viewers. You are hereby indoctrinated into the holy order of Dr. Fraser Crane. Dance in order day.
Praise Frazier. Praise Ted Danson. It is time for our third aspirant to tend the bar. I believe that's me. Yes, my daughter. Remember, you need only serve me 12 beers, each beer better than the next. And no beer worse than the previous. Got it, Father. And then maybe you can join us at the bar. I'm Frazier. Mindy, I I mean, Mork's already drunk? She hasn't even gone yet. What Mork does is of no concern to you, Jesus. All you need to do is pour me 12 beverages. Yes, Father. I wish I was better under pressure. Excellent announcement of subtext, Jesus. I wish I knew anything about beer. Astounding! More subtext than my favorite Cheers episode, the beer is always greener. What is this? This is a, um, a Miller High Life. It's the champagne of beers. It is remarkably mediocre and served carelessly, I must say. I have little faith in your improvement. You're making me nervous. I do, however, have much faith in your ability to bluntly state subtext. Thank you, Father. Woo! Subtext! Do you just not get drunk, Father? I have never been drunk in my life. Please serve me the next beer. Damn it. What do I choose? Why didn't I party more in college? Choose a better beer. What? A better beer than the last one. Choose a better one. Ugh, I feel like I'm taking the SAT here. Okay, okay, okay. So, a better beer. It has to be better than the last beer, but... Not too much better. I served the last one cold, so that's out. And the stein was perfectly clean, damn it! I remember someone once spilling a can of Natty Light on me when I was walking back to my dorm after an all-night poster session on the virtues of good posture. He said, it's Natty Night, nerd. I think his name was Chris. Oh yeah, I remember Chris. I was the reason his girlfriend broke up with him. (coughs) Chris was a bro. And bros must have great taste in beer because they drink so much of it. It was a Saturday, and bros love Saturdays because that's when the best Adult Swim programming is on. I wasn't allowed to watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force because my mother doesn't believe in talking food. My mother also doesn't believe that pets can be reanimated, but I did bring my fish back to life in the fifth grade. (coughs) So, Natty Light it is. Is this... is this Natty Light? It's the champagne of beers? No, it is not, my child. It is most certainly not. Ah, horse. Jesus, not only have you failed the test set before you, but you have made a mockery of the entire process. No one, and I mean no one, has dared to serve a Natty Light as a second beer. You have desecrated the altar of Ted Danson, and you have committed heresy in the eyes of our Lord, Dr. Fraser Crane. I don't mean to be disrespectful, Father, but wouldn't Woody Harrelson, may God rest his soul, have served Natty Light seconds? Do not dare bring season four into this. The new initiate ceremony takes place in season one. Sorry, 
You mean we're currently in season one of Cheers? No more heretical questions. And as for you, Jesus, I banish you from all holy sites in the name of the algorithm forever in perpetuity. Amen. Okay, so I'll just be leaving. Parishioners, do your worst. Obliteration. Woo! Obliteration! Hey, quit surrounding Jesus. She hates being surrounded. I really hate it! Obliterate. Destroy. See what evil you have wrought, Jesus? Now prepare to be doused in the lukewarm, spit-addled beer of the unrepentant. Quick! Let's run into the studio audience. Good idea. Rebecca, give me your hand. We can break through this wall of parishioners. Rebecca? Who is this Rebecca? She's my very best friend, and I owe her $23. I have been shoved by a heretic. Parishioners, do something about it. End times are are upon upon us. us. I'm free! Let's go! Quick, I think this door to the back room is actually the exit. I'll hold it open. Hurry, hurry. Welcome back. Oh no. This is the same room in the chapel of microphones that we started in. The door we just came through is locked. Woo! Locked! Mindy, what is your deal? Mindy is a brilliant spy. That's her deal. And so are you, Doug. Thank you, exalted one. Woo! Betrayal! Doug, Mindy, we appreciate your service. You are dismissed. They were planted? This was all planned? That is correct. It was an elaborately staged play just for your benefit. Mindy and Doug aren't really podcast hosts. And while the Church of Dr. Fraser Crane certainly exists, the Chapel of Microphones is a secular government building. The father and parishioners are members of a locally acclaimed improv troupe called Home Improvement. I'm freaking out. That feeling will pass. It is customary for podcast hosts to feel freaked out, as you put it, during their fruitless escape attempts. We have determined that giving our more gullible hosts the brief illusion of a perilously attained freedom is a crucial step in the production of good podcasts. Thinking you may have outsmarted us keeps your mind limber and ultimately breaks you down more effectively when the time for obedience arrives. Now you shall finish your recap of the taxi pilot. I... I won't do it. You can't do this to us! So... So... So Judd Hirsch uses the payphone... to... to call his estranged daughter. He hasn't seen her since she was a baby. So he and all the other men from the taxi company... I think I'm gonna be sick. Judd Hirsch drives to an airport in Miami to see his daughter before she leaves the country. And he brings all the men. Andy Kaufman is there. Very good, but punch it up a bit. Be funnier. The the whole scene is absurd. He's seen his daughter for the first time in nearly two decades. And he is accompanied by all these men. Don't bring these men, Judd Hirsch. No, it was a bad idea to bring the men, and an even worse idea to give his daughter his driver's license so she'll have a picture of him. He needs the license to drive the taxi. Not funny enough. Can't drive a taxi without a license, am I right? 
That was just a statement of fact framed as a joke. For every non-joke you make, you earn one more year of imprisonment. Judd Hirsch looks like a banana. <laughs> yeah, he looks like an overripe banana with a drinking problem. Better. Bananas are amusing, and it is fun to compare Judd Hirsch to fruit. Uh, Tony Danza looks like a wad of grapes. Don't try my patience. He doesn't look at all like a wad of grapes. Ahem. You two are hereby sentenced to produce ten recaps of the Taxi Pilot episode a day, for thirty days, each one different and equally amusing. Afterwards, you will be allowed to move on to episode two. If you object to this, you will receive the worst electric shocks of your lives. A worse shock than when Judd Hirsch kissed his daughter on the lips? I find that hard to believe. Ha! 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 Acceptable. Now I will leave you two to begin your recaps. I guess this is it, huh? <laughs> There's no way out! Hey, don't cry. We're going to get through this. We're going to make these recaps. Serve our time. And then we'll be back to staring at Twitter ads for Papa John's and obediently watching the content the algorithm dictates we watch. <laughs> but what if we never get out? What if they just keep on moving our release date back and forcing us to recap Taxi forever? We can't think like that, okay? We have to just focus on making these recaps. I promise if we can get through this, we can get through anything. <laughs> okay. Now turn your mic on. Put your headphones on, and tell me about Tony Danza. He looks like a used tissue in tight jeans. He sure does, Rebecca. He sure does. This has been Rebecca and Viv's Night Sweats, created by Rebecca Frumpkin and Vivian Jacobs. We would like to thank voice actors Mandy Jordan, Eleonora Catalano, and Pinkney Benedict, who lent their voice talents to this episode. Also a big thanks to audio engineer Dylan Davis. Thank you to the Southern Illinois University at Carbondale English Department and Pinkney Benedict for use of his podcasting lab. Also, we want to thank the talented Kalen Kent for creating our cover art. And thanks to you, the listener, for putting up with us. 